just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. Who are Kenyatta and Jack? We're just friends who are Gen Xers, former Air Force brats, parents, taxpayers, and citizens of the Earth. And we're here to save it one podcast at a time. Editor Jack from the future here. I'm not entirely sure why, but for some reason my audio sounded like I was in a different room. Uh, I've tried to amplify it as best I can, but I don't want it to sound even worse. So I apologize for that, and I hope you keep listening. Thanks. Hello, 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 friends. Welcome to another episode of Kenyatta and Jack Save the World. Somewhere in the Midwest or the South, it's debatable, depending on who you ask, is Jack. Somewhere on the East Coast or the South, depending on who you ask, is Kenyatta. She is me. He is Jack. Hi, Jack. Hi, Kenyatta. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right, I suppose. I got you with the intro, didn't I? You did. You did. Yeah, no I was... one knows what Oklahoma is in. South, West, Midwest. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yep. Same for here. Some say we're East Coast. Some say we're the first state below the Mason-Dixon, so we're the South. Yeah. <laughs> Southern East Coast. Why not? It's just as good as anything else. So. That's right. That's right. So, I thought I'd change it up a little bit like the Simpsons do, but, you know. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, we don't <laughs> get suckered into sameness. It's so boring. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, so let's see. What is what is this? This is the we are recording today, which is the twenty ninth of March. The last Tuesday in March. I can't believe we're almost done with the first quarter of the year. I know. It's hard to believe. Time flies when you're not having any kind of fun. Or you're, you know, most of the way out of a pandemic. Even though it'll be endemic soon, but you know, same yeah. same. So I guess we'll jump right in, talk about our WTF moments for today. Yeah, what do you have for your lovely WTF moment? There were so many things happening out there lately, political, social, entertainment wise. It was hard to pick, but I did I did eventually land on something entertainment related. I suppose, but then everything is political when you get down to it, really. So, this has to do with director Jane Campion, who, if you've never heard of her, is from New Zealand and apparently happens to be a pretty good director. So, let's see. I can't say that I've seen any of her stuff, but I plan on watching one of her movies this week, mainly because it has Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh-huh. But it just so happened this award season, she's won two awards, the Critics' Choice Award and most recently the Oscar for Best Director. Mm-hmm. Anyway, during the Critics' Choice Award a few weeks ago, when she was accepting her award and her acceptance speech, Venus and Serena Williams happened to be in the audience because of the film um, about their father, King Richard. Yes. And Miss Campion, out of her acceptance speech, she notices them in the crowd, apparently, and says, quote, Venus and Serena, you're such marvels. However, you don't play against the guys like I have to. I paused when I read that. Like, what is she getting at? Why would you have to qualify that statement as though mm-hmm. somehow their successes are lesser than because... They don't play men. And she made a comment the way she did because all the other nominees in the category were men, were male directors. Okay. But it kind of, kind of left me saying, huh. So somehow what their successes are lesser than because they play only women. Is that what she's getting at? And this is, and you know, of course, when things like this happen, there's like 10,000 think pieces out by midnight. Right. And. I read a couple of them. I was like, no, it's not racist. No, but it's tone deaf. 
It really was. Definitely tone deaf. And I would argue that uh, Serena would probably kick the ass of at least half of the men on the men's circuit. That's with me not knowing anything about professional tennis. And you're, you're absolutely right, because one of the articles I read made that point, that they could easily handle a lot of male tennis players. So, like I said, the comparison is just kind of, you know, what was, what was the point? As though the accomplishment of her winning the Critics' Choice Award wasn't enough, but somehow she had to qualify that by saying, but I had to compete, I had to compete against all men. Right. What's your point? Like, sis, come on, just, ah! It's yeah. like, I was watching something earlier in the day talking about, actually it was related to our main topic for the day. A, um, a short news uh, story about the topic and somebody mentions in it you feel like the country takes incremental steps into some type of racial reckoning and reconciliation and then all of a sudden all those gains you had just start getting rolled back so this may be a small thing and the bigger scheming thing you know most people have already forgotten about this but it stuck with me because I'm like Hmm. And especially after last week's confirmation hearings with um, Judge Jackson, it stuck in my brain like we've got like, uh, you know, another one of these instances where people who just sometimes they don't know any better. Sometimes they know better and they don't care. But either way, they just seem to keep wanting to minimize the accomplishments of people of color. I'm like, "Ah, I'm tired and I want to go take a nap. (laughs) It's weary. It's weary. Yeah, yeah, let's just quit minimizing people's accomplishments. I mean, period. That that makes it easy, right? If you just yeah. do that. Or <laughs> maybe, you know, while um, accepting awards for your own accomplishments, maybe stop trying to qualify and then compare yourself with anybody else. Right. Because what you're, what, you, what you're good at is what you're good at. And that should be enough. Yes. Oh, I don't know. That's just me. Yeah, That's just no, me. I agree. If you're the best plumber... You're the best plumber. You shouldn't compare yourself to the best electrician. Yeah, as though you're saying, you know, you may be a good electrician, but I can still work in water. You know, what? like, what is that? Why did you have to say that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying. And yeah. it does get frustrating when you're constantly, I don't know. Yeah, it's completely tone deaf and there's no need for a comparison. Oh. No, like I said, especially with someone who has been as recognized as she is. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I'm still going to go ahead and watch the movie because, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch. But I'm going to think badly about her for a while. I mean, just because. And I know that's not supposed to be what we're doing here, but I am human. And I had right. a human experience. So there. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I understand. It's it's sort of like our last week episode of We Know Things Have Cringe. Mm-hmm. We grew up with them, and gosh darn it, we still like it. <laughs> this is the opposite. <laughs> I mean, this this has been a cringy couple days, as it were, but yes, somewhere in the midst of that, we're all human, and we're having experiences, and this is what it's about. That is there true. it is. So there all is. I all I'll do here is just wish her some perspective and watch the movie. What is your uh, WTF moment? Well, I was a little torn. I was going to go with the loss of the drummer for one of my favorite bands, the Foo Fighters, Taylor mm-hmm. Hopkins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I just decided that I was, I don't know, maybe just a little sad for what I wanted to talk about. So I'm going to go with the insanity that is the Republican Party and Fox News. And oh, that my. would be former chief of staff of... Donald J. Trump, Mark Meadows, Mm. while living in Washington, D.C., went and illegally registered to vote in his home state of North Carolina. The best part is, is that it was a trailer. It wasn't even, you know, like a more expensive house that someone of his monetary status would, you know, live in. Everybody knows when you're the chief of staff, of the president that you are not living in North Carolina and commuting to Washington, D.C. every day to be in the White House. Everyone knows that. How in the hell are you going to sit there and spend, at this point, 
two, you know, two years bitching about how the election was stolen and there was voter fraud when your ass committed voter fraud. <sighs> you know? I, I, mm, mm, I read that last week. I was, I had to read it twice. Yeah. I said, wait, what is this trying to say to me as a reader? What? Yeah. I, I'm so, I don't know. I don't know how this, this is what I mean when I say we have to laugh to keep from crying. How, how, it, it, it's not so, it's not bad enough that the Republicans have become what they are. Now we have layer by layer, layer, and literally day by day, thicker and thicker, like layers of hypocrisy just stacking up, just. Like, we're literally going to touch the moon soon with how hypocritical. It's like uber hypocritical at this point. I have have two thoughts on this. One, can you guess how many news stories there's been on conservative news mainstay Fox News about this? Zero. You are absolutely correct. There has been zero, zero news about that. I don't know. I think maybe the Fox News audience might find it interesting that Trump's former chief of staff committed a felony. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe that would... Oh, never mind. That would mess up their thing that it's a witch hunt against Donald Trump when people are getting in trouble for, you know, felonies. We could literally catch Trump sneaking in the White House, sneaking out of the White House with a U-Haul of stuff, and he would still say, it's a witch hunt. It doesn't. It doesn't matter anymore. What's What's found out, or what conversation, what text messages they get. It doesn't matter. They basically did, though, because he had all of that top secret information in Mar-a-Lago. So, but you But you notice how <laughs> the technicality is. No one can prove no. how it got there. That's what he's right. going to be like. Oh, I know. I know. Oh, I don't know how this ended up here. I, my My second thought is though, you can always tell what. Republicans are actually doing by what they're accusing Democrats and Hillary Clinton of doing. If they're accusing them, somebody in that circle is doing it. Somebody. Yep. You know, oh, you can't trust Hillary with classified information. Well, you know who else you can't trust with it? Donald J. Trump. The man literally ate classified documents and flushed it down the toilet. I'm still, I'm still blown away by that one. That's just... They all used personal emails. They all yeah. used personal servers. All the things that they keep shouting locker up for, they did. I'm surprised no one's restarted the rally cry uh, about Benghazi. I'm surprised that hasn't come back up. Like, right. why not? I'm I'm surprised nobody's, you know, bringing back what was it? Uh, uh, what was their uh, division subdivision scam from? Oh, uh, 80s or uh, whatever that they got into. I know they call it Whitewater. Yeah, Whitewater. Whitewater. Yeah. Yeah, I just watched the FX docudrama about, you know, the impeachment drama. That was a very good, uh, very good season, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they talked, they talked a little about, about that. And it's funny to me that, what was his name? Um, the Attorney General, um, he slipped my mind. Oh, Star. Kenneth Star. Editor Jack from the future here. Uh, Ken Star was the special prosecutor who was investigating uh, the Whitewater scandal, and the Attorney General was Janet Reno under Bill Clinton. He was after the Clintons for four years behind that and couldn't get anything. And then he was so caught up, apparently, with getting them on something, anything, that he lashed on to that whole sex scandal like a little chihuahua. Just and that's what they got him on. I was like, yo, how? Yeah. I, I can't. I just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then a few short years, well, maybe not a few short years later. I don't know. Whatever. 15, 16 years later, he's the president at Baylor when they have their giant scandal. With the football team, so apparently it's good for the goose, is good for the gander. Truly, truly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Meadows has already been caught up on other stuff lately here, too. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> I, if you don't mind, though, I do have a WTF 
be, if I could mention it? Sure. So, uh, Representative Josh Crawley was giving a speech, and he was talking about how once you... Someone asked him what you didn't expect when you get in D.C. or something like that. And he was talking about how there are all these people that you respect, and then it, you get there, and they, they invite you to, like, weekend orgies, and you get to... You, or you go to a party and people are doing lines of coke. And first of all, I think he's spewing some BS there. But he said, congressman that he respects. Well, that right there eliminates anyone with a D after their name, right? <laughs> right? Oh my God, why? Because <laughs> you know he isn't, you know, he's not respecting uh, Pelosi or anyone, you know what I mean? Not so at that all. Not at so all. that means it's Republicans that are doing the lines of coke and inviting him to orgies. Number one, number two, isn't he in a wheelchair? So why would you invite him to an orgy? Number that was three. wrong, and I know that. <laughs> that was wrong to make fun of somebody's disability, and I apologize. Number three, though, is are you talking about DC or Hollywood? Are you what the heck? Yeah. Coke. I mean, were there hookers? I imagine it was obviously it was hookers. So everybody knows that all the cocaine's is is with Marion Barry. <laughs> Knock it off. <laughs> yeah, see, they're at equal opportunity bad jokes of people there. So, oh lord, but I, uh, how do they keep telling on themselves, moment after moment after moment, and after that showing that he had at the confirmation hearings. I guess he's pretty proud of himself, so he was just going to go for it, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah, and if you're best friends with Matt Gates, you probably aren't that tough on people having sex with minors. And you probably really don't care about sentencing child pornographers either, so I'm just going to need you to go ahead and shut the hell up. But that's that's something entirely different, so, yeah. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now that once again, I do want to apologize for my joke about somebody's disability i meant it to be funny and then i realized okay that was even for a douche like him over the line and i apologize i own it and i apologize sometimes my gen x comes out accountability is the word of the week so yes very good oh boy i need a moment (sighs) all right it's gone okay so all right so uh I guess that's it with our expanded WTF of the week. And Kenyatta came up with a topic for today that Donald Glover put in her head from watching Mm -hmm. the season three premiere of Atlanta, even though apparently there was a large, large break in between season two and three. Yeah, but it was worth it. Yeah. So it, it sparked an interesting topic in her mind. And so I am going to let Kenyatta start tell us, telling us about this interesting topic. All right. Thank you very much, Jeff. And yes, um, I did get the, the idea to talk about this from a television show. Because if you've been following us this far, you know I'm like a heavy pop culture freak. So I can't apologize for it. What can I do? But it did lead to, I think... Uh, a very interesting topic with a lot of history that, as we do here, when we research things, we found out a whole lot more than we thought we would. So uh, today, I'm going to be digging into the history behind Lake Lanier, which is located in the state of Georgia, about 40 miles or an hour's drive northeast of Atlanta. So the um, lake is a man-made reservoir created by the Army Corps of Engineers back in the 50s. But the land, part of the land that was used to dig and make the reservoir sits in Forsyth. Well, the lake itself sits in Forsyth County. But the land that was used was uh, once upon a time the site of a town back in the early 20th century, the early 1900s. What's interesting is that even before that point, that piece of that particular area of Georgia in Forsyth County was actually once part of the Cherokee Nation. So in the 1830s, 
1830s, the government expelled or kicked out most of the indigenous from what ended up being part of the Trail of Tears. Yep. So. Jackson. mm Mm-hmm. So, we move along some years to the early 20th century, uh, specifically 1912. And in Forsyth County, there were several small towns, one of which was called Oscarville. And in researching this, I found a lot of information, but interestingly enough, certain details, I couldn't get enough of a consensus to make sure they were accurate as I could. So some of this is going to be approximate when I talk about numbers. Mm-hmm. But okay. Oscarville was a small town of roughly 100 people, give or take. Some reports I read say it was majority black. Some I read was majority white. Either way it goes, though, there was a fair number of black landowners in the town. And Oscarville, like I said, was one of several small towns in Forsyth County. Forsyth County at the time had about 10,000 citizens. Out of the total number of citizens in the county, though, only about 1,000 were black, which kind of tells you the amount of black people that were in, actually in the town of Oscarville. Okay. So what happened, though, in early... Um, the early 1900s, 1912 to be exact, there were two separate incidents that occurred in the early part of September 1912. And these incidents together ignited a push which eventually changed the citizenry of Oscarville and Forsyth County as a whole. The first incident occurred on September 5th, 1912. When a white woman by the name of Ellen Grease claimed she had woken up to two black men in her bedroom and they were attempting to sexually assault her, but they had been chased away by their, her mother. So she reported to the county sheriff. The sheriff arrested five black men, Isaiah Perkle, Johnny Bates, Tony Howell, Fate Chester, and Joe Rogers. Grant Smith, who was a local black preacher, appealed to the sheriff to release them as he claimed there wasn't enough evidence to hold them and also suggested that Miss Grease and one of the men may have had a consensual relationship. Folks didn't take kindly to those kind of rumors going on. So they caught up to Smith on the steps of the, the local courthouse and almost beat him to death. Unfortunately, though, I wasn't able to find particulars as to what happened in these men as you know were any of them charged go to trial and Mm -hmm. that's why i say some of the details on this stuff are kind of thin or they just don't you know there's no conclusion which is unfortunate but the next incident occurred about a week later on september 12th when a young 18 year old white woman from uh, one of the surrounding towns there in the county was found beaten and unconscious in the woods. And they also determined later that she had probably been raped. Unfortunately, a few weeks later, as a result of her injury, she passed away. Apparently, um, during investigating this crime, the sheriff found a small pocket mirror at the scene of the crime. And their deductive reasoning led them to a 16-year-old named Ernest Knox, who supposedly owned this mirror. He was arrested along some days later with his 18-year-old cousin, Oscar Daniel, Oscar's sister, 22-year-old Jane Daniel, and 24-year-old Robert Big Rob Edwards. No relation. (laughs) So while they had Knox in custody, and I believe before they went and, and arrested the other three, they forced him into a confession and then uh, relocated him to Atlanta for his safety. They snuck him out of the back of the jailhouse because, you know, people were outside. The mob that was outside eventually grew. And the day after Edwards was arrested, uh, the, the mob of about 2,000 broke into the jailhouse and dragged him outside. He was shot, dragged through the streets and hang from a telephone pole outside the courthouse in the, in the town of Cumming, which happened to be the county seat and was nearby. While, 
while his body was hanging from the telephone pole, they shot at it. So between the young woman passing and, of course, them lynching Edwards, the violent, the intensity and the violence grew. And so apparently there was a feeling in town amongst the white population that they felt threatened or they were worried about what the black folks were going to do. So somehow that translated to them going out in the form of what were called night riders. If you know anything about night riders, you know what they were the precursor to. They would go door to door through the black part of the neighborhood, torches and guns, beating down churches and businesses and residences and demanding that all the black residents of the county vacate their homes immediately. And when it when it ended up happening is that those residents, out of fear, obviously, took off with what they could carry, left their land, their crops, their homes, and just pretty much ran out with what they had on their backs. And the white folks that remained went through and pillaged and took their possessions, things of that nature. So while... Meanwhile, with the other three that had been um, arrested, charges against Jane Daniel were eventually dismissed. But the other two men that were arrested had a one-day trial and were found guilty in I, October. I, I'm having a hard time believing that. Guilty or one-day trial? Uh, both. I mean, <laughs> where, where you've led yeah. up to now, yeah. that just doesn't seem like the logical next thing that would happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Found guilty, sentenced to hang, even though lynchings were illegal in Georgia at this time. Hmm. What's interesting is that, and I, I, I didn't even put this in my notes, but I remember it because it was profoundly bizarre, is that because lynchings were illegal, the sheriff ordered, uh, what did they say, a 30-foot high wall to be built around where they were planning to do the hanging. In the middle of the night, a group of white folks came and burned it down. I guess they wanted to see. That was bizarre to me. Like, wow. How dare they ruin that sheriff's plan to hide his illegal activities of illegally killing somebody. That was just bullshit of those white people to ruin that for that racist sheriff. (laughs) Absolutely inconsiderate. I mean. The waste of the taxpayers' funds. Indeed. The, the cost of that wall. Indeed. And it reported 5,000 people came to watch this luncheon. So, um, in the wake of those things happening, the violence against the black residents continued to escalate. So, in the course of several months, roughly 98% of the black residents in Forsyth County were terrorized out of their own homes and out of the area. And again, we're talking about a little over a thousand people in the county as a whole. You said 98% were pushed out. And as a matter of fact, a 1920 census listed 23 black people in the county. Yeah, wow, that's, wow. So what ended up happening though with the land that was left behind by the black farmers that actually own land in the area, the white residents ended up taking over the property deeds. No transfer, no bill of sale. And in effect, they stole it. But there was nobody left there to, to contend, I mean, you know, to come back and, and right. fight for it. So unfortunately, the white residents that were left got pretty much free land. Yeah. Now, for the black people that were left and refused to be run out, They were offered money by the white residents to move out. In one case, one farmer would have received only $550 for land that he originally purchased for $1,500. So even the ones that stayed weren't even being treated fairly. They were pretty much cheated out of their land. Yeah. So in what I found out was that the white, the white uh, citizens that were still there they took advantage of or they took over the abandoned land through a legal process called adverse possession. And all they had to do was pay the property taxes and it belonged to them. Wow. Yeah. Um, do you happen to know where uh, the people went after they were run off? Did they go to Atlanta? Did they move to other rural areas? 
Detroit, There's not. You know, do you have any idea? Did you discover that? I didn't. I didn't find out a whole lot of detail. I did find some information in one article that mentioned that some of those folks ended up being a part of the Great Migration um, up north during mm-hmm. that time. Some of them did go to some of the smaller towns in the county or stayed somewhere else in Georgia, but there wasn't a whole lot of specifics about what happened to the the ones that had that were forced out. So, over time, though. The land that the whites had taken ownership of would eventually get sold piece by piece to the government. And eventually, come the end of 1940s, early 50s, those areas of that land that was sold would become part of Lake Lanier. So in 1946, Congress approved what was called the River and Harbors Act, which uh, pretty much aimed to, I guess, increase the amount of waterways around the country. And the project to build and create Lake Lanier was approved in 1949. For $45 million. And U.S. Corps, Army Corps of Engineers built the lake in conjunction with the Buford Dam. And so the idea was to provide hydroelectric power to Atlanta and also to keep uh, surrounding communities in the area from flooding by the Chattahoochee River. Interestingly enough, the lake was named after Sidney Lanier, a writer, poet, musician, and surprise, surprise, Confederate Army veteran. Woo! <laughs> yeah, that's uh, sort of was a big thing mm-hmm. back in the day. Yes. So, yeah, I can't. I can't imagine. So, before the government came in to start buying up the land, about seven hundred families still inhabited the area, uh, which is about sixty square miles. And the government eventually bought up roughly fifty-six thousand acres. And they went in, as generally things do with the government, hey, do you want to sell your land? We need it. Here, we'll offer you this much. Here, we'll offer you this much. And while some people took the money and sold their land and relocated, some couldn't. In addition to buying people out of their land, they also had to relocate other structures that didn't necessarily belong to individual folks. So you had roads, bridges, trees that were left behind. And there's an old Speedway racetrack that's still there that they didn't tear up. They pretty much cleared out anything that could possibly float. And that was it. So the filling of the lake began in about 1957 and took roughly four or five years. So here's the fun part. After the 1912 incident with driving out the majority of the black population county, Forsyth County became and remained all white. Until about the earlier part of this century. That, so. I mean, that's not surprising. Why would why would you want to go to a place where there's obviously a history of shittiness? Mm-hmm. Just to put it sort of mildly, because shittiness really isn't a strong enough term. But, mm-hmm. I mean, why would you want to go to that? So, And they made sure that it stayed that way. Like during the, especially during the 50s and 60s, they were one of the, what was called sundown towns. Yeah. Where they would leave signs saying, hey, if you know what's good for you, you'll be out of here before the sun sets. So they were, they had that vibe, that could, they had that kind of vibe going on. So yeah, good times. But in 1987, there were some people who were actually sick and tired of the way citizens had been acting. Like I said, they were actively keeping people of color out of the area. There's reports of black delivery men getting shot at. People of color being harassed just for coming through the area. Shoot, thank God that doesn't yeah. happen anymore. I know, right? <laughs> so, in 1987, having witnessed these things going on for years, there were some people who had had enough of watching it. So, on Martin Luther King Day in 87, there was an organized march from Atlanta to Cumming, which was the Fulton County seat, or excuse me, Forsyth County seat. And at that time in 87, the population of the county was about 38,000. Again, 100% one. It was originally organized by a gentleman named Charles Blackburn, but he ended up getting threatened so badly, canceled it. The organization of the march was then taken over by a couple, Dean and Tammy Carter. I think they were from coming as well, or another nearby town. They were later joined by several civil rights activists like Hosea Williams, Coretta Scott King, and others. 
and about 75 people marched in from mostly from Atlanta into Forsyth County to the, I believe, the courthouse. And there they were met by about 500 Klansmen and sympathizers who were carrying um, signs and banners. And the police and state troopers that were assigned to protect the marchers pretty much let them know, hey, we're not going to be able to do this for you. And so the march, unfortunately, was called off due to the fact that they couldn't guarantee anyone's safety. But news of this march spread pretty quick. And there was another march quickly organized for the next Saturday. By the time that one came around, they had 200,000 marchers walking in the coming. And they were met by about 2,000 counter-protesters, again, decorated with all the usual Southern pride uh, paraphernalia. Right. And they had slogans on their little signs like, The Great White Hope, Sickle Cell Anemia. And one of my favorites, James Earl Ray, great American hero. So. uh, Wow. It's charming, isn't it? What a lovely bunch of people. Remember, we're talking about 1987. Yeah, I know. That's, I know. So, there were definitely some clashes. Things got physical. Stuff happened. And as a result, um. Hosea Williams and several other uh, march organizers bought a class action lawsuit against the organizers of the counter-protest, which included the Southern White Knights in the Invisible Empire. Those sound like really, really, really bad band names, but what do I know? Anyway. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, you're not wrong. They won the case at the state level, and it eventually made its way to the U.S. Supreme Court, which upheld an award of $950,000. This is what I thought was interesting. Hosea Williams um, requested to be dropped from the lawsuit because, quote, he didn't want to take away from them their hard-earned possessions simply because they brutalized us in responding to the sicknesses of our capitalistic society. I found that interesting. And I guess that's one of those instances where you can't meet hate with hate. I can yeah. see that. I can see that. It It's oddly showing a considerable amount of grace for people that do not deserve to be shown. Grace. Yep, absolutely. I, I, I do not think I would be able to do that. Mm-mm, I'm like, give it all. Give it to me. All of it. Every last penny. Yeah, and then I would flaunt it by driving around in my brand new Cadillac. But I guess that's why we're doing what we're doing. I mean, we can't all be perfect. Uh, I'll, I'll live with it. I'll live with it. <laughs> so that's, I, I had to add that piece of it in as far as the things that were happening in this right. area because I'm like, it's 1987 and we're right. still doing the same thing. <sighs> so. Yeah. I mean, we were in what? Ninth grade then? Yeah. So that's been at least, you know, one or two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So you would think that... <laughs> I saw what you did there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you would think that <laughs> you would think that people would get past this shit, and it's just like you're just feeding it into your kids, and then it, the circle never freaking ends, and you think it ends, and then oh nope, it didn't end. It didn't. It's uh, it's really sad. Ultimately, it's sad. I, there's more. T- you know, I'm not vocalizing that correctly. No, I know. I I, I yeah. Here's the fun part. As of the 2020 census, there are black people finally in Forsyth County again, roughly 4%. I believe it was 10% Latino and roughly 3% Asian American, give or take. However, in 2018, Forsyth County was reportedly the wealthiest county in Georgia and the 19 wealthiest in the country. And I was like, that is an interesting turn considering the things that happened there. Now, here's that, another. That actually, sorry. that sort of tracks because wealthy people are going to, wealthy people like to live by other wealthy people. So if you get a small percentage, you know, initially of wealthy people, 
more wealthy people are going to move in. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I included the link for the news report that I watched on it. It's PBS. And I believe it was dated 2017, where they actually had a black man running for state senate. I'm like, that's a step. Huh. Interesting. And in that news piece, they also spoke with the grandniece of the young lady that was um, unfortunately beaten and left for dead. And she said she does not believe that those men committed that crime. She doesn't believe it. And I, I tend to agree with her, considering, yeah. considering you know, the story. Yeah, yeah. And she feels like, you know, basically that her great aunt's case is a cold case because they've never really found the, the true perpetrators of it. Right, right. So here's the interesting part, though. And this is where my whole idea about karma comes in. Lake Lanier is a popular tourist spot. Really nice resorts, you know, around it. People go there every year from in-state, out-of-state. It wasn't ever meant to be a recreational spot. But what are you going to do? They're going to show up. They've had they've had an interesting spurt of unfortunate incidences since the lake opened. More than 600 people have died. And nearly 200 of them since 1994. They've reported more than 100 drownings. 500 boating accidents. Some of those boats have exploded with 57 deaths from those boating accidents. 27 victims, unfortunately, have never been recovered. And on top of that, they have their very own ghost story. Yeah. Called the Lady of the Lake behind, I think it was a 1958 uh, accident where uh, two women ran off the road into the lake and were never found until decades later. So... Do I believe in hauntings and things of that nature? I don't not believe. I believe there are things that we should just leave well enough known. But if you want to talk about a place that's right for bad luck, this would be it. And I kind of, in, in just for me, I feel like the, the history behind the area just kind of lends itself to, right. bad, to bad juju. So Yeah, and I have a strong feeling that there's probably a lot of hold my beer going on with that. But, you know, with the karma that sort of <laughs> came around from that, you know, the hold my beer is just part of that karma. So, Yeah, unfortunately so. And uh, that was wild because they have on the, I want to say it's, is it the, it might be the Georgia Tourism website or the Lake Lanier website. One of the two, like they have specific warnings about going out in the water because there's still so much debris. Right. Sitting Coming on the up. floor. Yeah. 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 And it traps people. Yeah. Not to not to mention depending on the weather during any given season, the lake can dry up. So, you know, you're thinking you go in thinking that you got some feet to go and then you're sinking. Right. So it's stuff like that apparently that makes it real dangerous to be out there if you're not paying attention. And you're right. I think a lot of it does have to do with people not being safe and not paying attention, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. So, but I just, I just find the coincidence of it just telling. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, you're right. Mm. The the sort of interesting thing about that is um, here in Oklahoma, most of our lakes are Mm man-made. Yeah, Uh, I would, I would say a majority of them are. Mm -hmm. And there is a lake in Oklahoma called Grand Lake. Yep, that's just what everybody calls Grand Lake. The full name is Grand Lake of the Cherokees. Yeah. So that would be the second lake that has a bunch of Cherokee history underwater. Because mm-hmm. I can assure you that when they built the one in Georgia, they did not do any of the archaeology ahead of time. Apparently, from some, some of the reports I've read, there were graveyards in the area. They took up the gravestone markers. And if they could find family members, they relocated the actual graves. If they couldn't, Unfortunately, those grays stayed where they were. Yeah. So. Well, I'm just yeah. talking other archaeology. Because yeah. That was Cherokee land. So you know yeah. that there's tons of archaeology, not just graves. Mm-hmm. It's forever lost. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with Grand Lake. There are lots of Cherokee archaeological sites from when they got to Oklahoma after the Trail of Tears that are now underwater. 
Yep. And <laughs> so, you know, that's, that just, I think Grand Lake of the Cherokees might have been built around the same time. So who knows which one screwed the Cherokees over first? I mean, <laughs> really, it really just feels all the same. Ugh, boy. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And actually, Grand Lake is where I had a spiked watermelon for the first time and didn't know that it was spiked. I was in the National Guard. They were like, here, eat this watermelon. I was like, okay. I took a bite out of it. When you're not expecting mm-hmm. watermelon-flavored tequila, mm-hmm. that is quite a shocker to mm-hmm. the system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that <laughs> that aside. <laughs> um, so the, the Cherokee thing, though, about the loss of your archaeology is my serious thought. When you first mentioned it, I Googled what you were going to discuss Mm-hmm. And I immediately thought, is that the lake that was made when they uh, in the movie Deliverance? Because remember they were going on. I don't know if you've ever seen the Burt Reynolds classic Deliverance from 1972. It's where I the f- famous squeal like a pig comes from. Yeah. Um. And so I thought, is that the creation on that? But no, that that was in that Tennessee. Fact, that is in fact not it. No, it, it is Georgia. I looked it up. But is it okay? <laughs> yeah. Um. Actually, I think the. Not the Chattahoochee, the other river, I think is the same. But Oh, I, I know what you're talking about. I had it, I thought I had it in my notes. It's the other one that started with a C, doggone it. Yeah, it's uh, Kalahuasi River? Yeah, something like that. I, I probably said that incorrectly. Kahulawasi, probably. Uh, oh, I did. I had it in my notes, and for some reason I... But yeah, that's yes. That's the plot of Deliverance is that they're going on a, a canoe rafting trip on that river before this dam floods it and it becomes this lake. Mm-hmm. So at that, I thought, oh wow, that's the that's the squeal like a pig's lake from uh, <laughs> Deliverance. But apparently, it's not. Just happy coincidence, I guess. Deliverance is one of those ones, and I, I especially since the pandemic curtailed my already introverted social schedule. I started dedicating myself to finding some of the older, you know, so-called classic movies. That was not one of them because I remember watching bits and pieces of it years ago and that doggone pig scene and the kid on the banjo. Clearly, you know, he's missing some shingles off the roof, but he was killing it on that banjo and that was just creepy to me. I have not hunted it down since. I might. I might. I did watch The Deer Hunter. That was good. Yeah, that was really good. Spoilers to the 1972 movie <laughs> Deliverance. There's a kid that plays banjo. Oh, you're late. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. But that was, that was, I keep, I even keep a little book when I hear about a movie that sounds interesting. I, I take, I write it down and take notes. But that is one of those ones I'm like, I, I, I don't know if I can mess with that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that is definitely a interesting story, and uh, really that's something that we could have done during our February episodes. I thought about that. I, not, not then, but I thought about right, it when yeah. I was researching this, yeah. Yeah, because it, it fits into the theme we had of important things that we should know about that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. And what what's even, I guess, more bothersome about this story is that Oftentimes, you know, and it relates in a way back to the the Tulsa Race Massacre, how land and property were taken away from black people. And therefore, they lost the opportunity to hand down generational wealth to their ancestors. And this is another instance of that. Yeah, Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. It's amazing how that just changes the the, the economic future of your descendants when Mm -hmm. when something like that occurs and you have to. Uh, completely relocate. And not just this situation. I mean, look at what's going on in the Ukraine right now. Mm-hmm. What are they at? Three million refugees at the moment? That's three million people that are completely starting over with whatever they can carry. Mm-hmm. And it, it's the exact, you know, same thing, just modern, different cause, but mm-hmm. people being displaced and mm-hmm. their families are going to have to reset. And that's a generational reset. That's generational. Time generational that's generational trauma to me yeah yeah no you're exactly right because who knows whether or not they'll get the opportunity to even ever go back home yeah and if they do you know how long would that be and what would they have what would they have to take with them and what would they have when they get there you know that's that's a lot yep that's that's a lot to, to comprehend yeah, so it definitely is oh boy but yeah i um 
like I said, once again, I, I, I am inspired by pop culture. What can I say? I am who I am, but I'm glad I actually researched this because I was under, I was believing the urban legend part of it, that there was literally still a town of black people that got flooded. No, right. Those folks were long gone and the government bought out the land and relocated everybody, but there still is something to it. And the real story is just as disturbing as anything to me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, definitely. And this took place apparently in a time frame that a lot of black only or black majority towns, especially in the South, were being emptied out. Like people were being forcibly pushed out. This was like a peak mm. period for that half. So it's, it's bananas. Again, like anybody who has, who's not white had the audacity to try to have a life and hear somebody comes and say, no, no, we, we're not going to have it. it. It blows my mind. It really does. My daughter, when she was in college, she had a, a class for which she had to buy a book called Angry White Men. I have it up on my shelf. I haven't cracked it yet. I don't know why. And I looked at it and, you know, I read the summary on the back and I was like, hmm. She's like, you need to read it. It's really good. I said, you know what? The only people angry white men need to be angry at is other white men. Because <laughs> it was mostly them that brought all the rest of us over here to one degree or another. And then they realized... Right. It was not going to be as simple as just sending us back somewhere. It's their fault. They should be mad at their own ancestors. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, I jest, but I don't. So. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, you know, I, as somebody who's descended from Scottish people who um, were who the British practiced fucking over before they started fucking over uh, people with brown skin, we're who they, they got good at doing it too. So, mm-hmm. know, I, 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 I do understand because uh, my ancestor that came fought at the Battle of Culloden. He was captured, spent some time in a British prison, mm-hmm. was sent to the colonies. It was either the colonies or a noose. Oh. Thankfully for me, he decided to come to the colonies. Sure. That worked out well for me. It worked out. It did. It did. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know... That was 1748, mm-hmm. and, you know, the long-term sort of effect of that is, you know, my dad and I are probably the, out of, from that time to now, we were probably, the you know, the wealthiest members of our family, you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, that was over 200 years, <laughs> so... I mean, I can't, you know, this is that same thing of, like you were saying, generational mm-hmm. trauma mm-hmm. and reset, it's just... At least for my ancestor, you know, he was rebelling against the king. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. wasn't because he he wanted he wanted to get away and do something different. It wasn't that. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that. because you know, <laughs> oh, we don't like them. They have brown skin. You know, yeah, no. <laughs> so while you know the result is somewhat similar, you know, the effect and everything, the cause of being sent over is completely different. <laughs> it is. I mean, and here's the thing about it is that. That's one of those things, um, what, what you have the ability to do to trace back specific, specifically is one of those things I and probably a lot of, uh, African Americans who are descended from slaves kind of envious of. Yeah. Cause it's, and, and I mean, there are tests, you know, out there that will allow you to trace back very specific. I don't know that I'd ever get an actual name. I could get like maybe a, a tribe or something like that. I might be able to get that specific, but a name. Yeah. You can, you can, you'll be able to get a region, and like you said, possibly a tribe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is but, one. There, but the name is. of the first person that was stuck and came over on the boat, you, nope. you will never, you will never get because, well, first of all, they didn't keep records. It's hard enough as a white person to get records, mm-hmm. you know, that far back. Mm-hmm. And there were actually some records kept. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it, they, it's not like they were. The slavers, as someone was going on the boat, you know, with the sheet of paper and, you know, writing down people's names as they were coming on there. It was cargo. (laughs) Well, first of all, they didn't think that they had a name. Right. So there's that. So, yeah. And and they were listed as cargo, not people, not passengers, but cargo. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then you have the fact that they didn't record births or weddings or deaths or anything like that for us for the longest. So. There's that, yeah. too. 
But I say, like me personally, it's kind of something I envy that I, I, unless it was just by some amazing coincidence and string of events, that would be the only way that I would possibly be able to get a specific name. Like I said, there, there's a, there's particular tests out there specifically for African Americans that allows us to trace all the way back to not just a country, but like a region and a clan and so on and so forth like that. But a name, most likely not. So, yeah. So it's like, you know, our ancestors get brought over here, we get cut off. We come over here, they try to make a life, we build something to be able to hand down, that get taken away from them. So it's like, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. That's history's a bitch. It really is. People are a holes. But I tell you what, fortitude is a hell of a thing because it really, really is to be able to to suffer that much and still keep coming back. You know, now whether or not I could could have ever been able to allow for the, the level of grace and forgiveness that I've read about happening during some of these events, I don't know. That I don't know. I'm trying to be a better person, but that I just don't know. So, hey, I'm there with you because I, I don't have to. I don't know. I would not. <laughs> I don't know. So I'm not saying I'm not here to, you know, imply that our ancestors were anyway soft because that's clearly wasn't the case. But oh, God, no. At the same time, you know, they got things done and still said, I meet your hatred with love. And that's wonderful. That's a beautiful thing. I'm just saying, I just don't know, <laughs> especially after. I would say it again, especially after watching those doggone confirmation hearings last week. I just don't know. <laughs> yeah. Right. I just don't know. <sighs> yeah. Oh, those questions. Mm. That. Talk about cringe. <laughs> Can you define what a woman is? What? That's like literally her face. What? Uh, right. Well, the problem is, and she knew it immediately, that she was in a lose-lose situation. Mm-hmm. Because if she said the definition that they wanted to hear, then they then they would somehow turn it on. See, they say yada yada yada, but whenever it comes time to be confirmed, mm-hmm. the truth comes out. Mm-hmm. And if it would have been not what they wanted to hear, see, they she can't even tell you what it. So it was a lose lose situation for her. She could. Not I mean, that's that correctly. That like that's literally what happened when she said no, I can't define it, and Blackburn was like. What? Like, gotcha. No, you got nothing. You got nothing. You got nothing but people riled up watching this waste of time. You are wasting everybody's time. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> gracious. But I won't dwell on it. Yeah. It was it was already a foregone conclusion. It was just performance art for those Republicans at that point. So that yeah. is true. That is true. And it wasn't and even good. That, it wasn't even good art. <laughs> right. right. Okay. And on that happy note. It's probably time to end the show. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> On a nice, positive, mm. positive story. Of yeah. Poop shootedness. Yeah. GOP performance art. Voila. No, in all seriousness, though, we've been going at it for a while, as we tend to do. Mm-hmm. That's our gimmick. It's what we do. It's what we do. It's and, what we do. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I feel, I feel the natural draw to a close feeling. Do you feel yeah, that? I do. Okay. I okay. do. I do. So it's not like we don't like talking to you, friends, but you know, we have to sleep sometime. So <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, uh, tonight it's just going to be me and the two dogs. The wife's out of town. I'm sure that Higgins, even though he's going to have half of a king size bed, is still going to treat me like a pillow. Of course. That is what they do. That is what Higgins does. No, that's what pets do. Because mine may be a lot smaller, but yes, I'm literally part of the bed yes. to them. <laughs> so, thanks, guys. They'll be here yeah. shortly. So, anyway, uh, listening friends, I'm going to say goodbye. We'll catch you on the next one. And uh, let Kenyatta say goodbye as well. Indeed. Thank you for tuning in and joining us again, as always. It's good to be good, so be good to yourselves and each other. And come back and visit us again. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review, hit that like button, and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Your feedback is valuable, and we welcome it. 
If you would like to contact, connect with, or just want to see what we talk about between episodes, you can find us on Facebook under our podcast name, on Instagram at K-A-Y-A-N-D-J-A-Y-S-T-W, our website, podpage.com slash kenyatta-jack-save-the-world or email at k.j.savetheworld at gmail.com. If you would like to learn about and contribute to our chosen charities, you can do so at Service Dog Project at servicedogproject.org and Black Women's Health Initiative at bwhi.org. Kenyatta and Jack Save the World is a product of Hyper Focus Podcasts.